Good morning, everybody. We are here to discuss something a little different than we have been lately. It's the we're going to talk about the um, Fatima message, really, but not so much the message because there's a million videos on YouTube about, you know, consecrating a certain country that won't be named. Thank you to our hosts <laughs> and their weird, weird clamp on information these days. But, um, you know, all that stuff in that debate. I'm not even interested in the debate about whether the most recent consecration number 14, according to Chris Ferrara, if you haven't seen the life site on LifeSite News's channel, the speech Chris Ferrara gave in Rome recently on that subject, you should watch it. It's, it will open your eyes if you're, you know, depending on your perspective on things, but he, uh, I recommend it. I'm not interested in that top, that part of the topic. What we're talking about today really is our duty to believe or not Aryan apparitions that are approved by the church, because here's the thing we're if you look in your current catechism and you, the, you'll come across the line that we all know worthy of belief doesn't mean you have to believe basically. And it's interesting because very orthodox sources in the church will repeat that. But the problem you run into is when you start digging into what the church had always said going back many centuries and repeated throughout the centuries since then, popes, orthodox bishops, all of them would all say the same thing, that if it's approved by the church to be worthy of belief, to not believe it is actually a sin. <laughs> so now how do, that, how do we differentiate that from you know, public revelation versus private revelation. That's a lot I'm not sure about, but we're going to go over through some of that talk today about that information because it's important to discuss. We really actually need to understand this because have you noticed that interest in Fatima has largely disappeared? I have. It's very strange. And I think it has to do with that sort of dog and pony show we were treated to now two years ago to give you my, my personal bias take on the most recent attempt at, uh, at a, a certain consecration. But joining us to discuss this is Mr. Gene Z Zanetti from Spiritual Strength, whose microphone is still muted. So if you would fix that, there you go, sir. Very good. You're not, this is not the first time you've been with us. Probably won't be the last time either. So um, I have tagged his channel in the description box for people who do want some uh, more spiritual focused Catholic content than just the news. And we will be focusing on that today. I will, however, give a plug to my normal video today for those who want news. You you, you want to see the next bishop who's going to fall under the axe if Rome, because that's going live in about two hours. So you want to check that out. But good morning, Gene. How are you today? Very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I mute that microphone so you don't pick up any background noise from my kids or the air vent or anything like that. Uh, it's fine. We we are family friendly here and my children are asleep, but I have live streamed during the day before where my children who very much like to scream have sometimes been caught on, on microphone. And I would hope that a Catholic audience would be like, would find the sound of children doing the work of children being good, even if it's slightly distracting. <laughs> yes. Well, both of my boys woke up at 3.30 this morning and have been up ever since. So they had to watch me do my leg day down here. Oh, love. Well, maybe they learned something from it, or maybe they just had a good laugh because of all the workouts you can do at the gym, leg day is the most weird to observe other people doing. So why don't we begin at the beginning? I was going to make some slides for this, but instead I just put it into uh, Google Docs, the uh, material you sent, we've sent back and you've sent me before, over the course of the last several weeks. And I'll share that on screen as I can. The one thing I didn't do is um, put the long text from Lateran 5 on screen, because when I did... I put it into what I use for my scripts for my videos, my normal videos, and it was longer if I just read it to the audience than one of my normal news videos that are about 12 to 15 minutes long. So I have the short summary there and we can, we'll definitely go over some of this, but let's go back to Lateran 5 because this is the, uh, the fifth Lateran Council. This is an infallible council of the church. And now there, and well, we, we, we do want to be careful when we talk about this stuff to not confuse things like you know, every statement a council makes as being infallible versus the dogmatic definitions of a council. Let's upfront be very clear about what we're talking about here. So why don't we talk about Fifth Lateran Council first? Yeah, and I thought um, I'd, I'd paraphrase a lot of this and we'd, it'd be good. We have, we do have the quotes, we could always list them somewhere, but paraphrasing, it's probably easy, easiest. Uh, before the Fifth Lateran Council, there was a lot of preaching going on by, by priests on a lot of people who claim they had private revelations, uh, the end of the world date, all this kind of stuff. So one in one small section of Lateran 5, 
on preaching. Uh, the council makes very clear that, uh, you know, this is not something we're talking about not approved apparitions. That's not something that can be preached from the pulpit. Obviously makes sense. Well, they were formally condemning it there. Now they do go on to say the council that this is in no way to be confused with the authentic prophecies from heaven. I mean, that, that's basically it in a nutshell. When you do that, you're extinguishing the spirit, you're despising prophecy, you're sinning against the Holy Spirit. And I want to make sure to interject here. What that means is whenever you hear a priest preaching Medjugorje, Garambendal, anything else unapproved that's not approved by the church, which I was under the mistaken belief for the longest time that was limited specifically to the local ordinary, who had to do the approval, but as you and I have spoken about before, Lateran 5, I believe it was, did say later, or it was either Lateran 5 or some of the things we'll go over, did say eventually Rome has to rule. Now, if a local ordinary says it's worthy of belief, that still means we should take it very seriously. And we could put we can put it into the, we can talk about this publicly and hope Rome chimes in at some point. Like many of the prophet, prophetic videos I've done on smaller, on lesser known Marian apparitions. But if you hear, like Medjugorje is not approved, Garambadal is not approved, a bunch of these others. So if you hear a priest preaching this from the ambo, that's actually a violation of the directives of the Fifth Lateran Council. And that is not something to be taken lightly. Right. And the, and the Fifth Lateran Council actually does make a, make a provision. It does say that the, that the Holy See has to rule on private revelation uh, to be authentic, but makes provision that if there's a pressing reason where this needs to be done immediately, that can be delegated to the local ordinary. And that's, that's, that should really make you think that should really get you to perk up to say, Oh, wow. The, the, the an ecumenical council is saying that prophecy could potentially be pressing an immediate need might be given from an immediate call might be given from heaven for you to act now. Otherwise, why would such provision be in the ecumenical council? That's right. an interesting point of note. And Fatima, when you know the Fatima story, the number of appearances, the the local bishop being kind of waffling on it initially, it's a, it's important context for Fatima. And we can see it there, which is why, you know, with all the, the large amount of pilgrims showing, because there was a timetable. There was a, it's the only scheduled miracle in history was the miracle of the sun. Our Lady gave us a date and time of when it would happen. And people showed up as you might expect them to. Right. This is, this is an important part of the, that. That's an, this is. Uh, one of the things we need to dis we really need to get a grasp on is that the dismissal of these approved apparitions is very troubling. You see a lot of Catholics saying, well, I don't believe that stuff. I'm not required to believe that stuff. I don't believe that stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a, you start running into problems. So let's, let's go past, let's start moving past the, a lot of these of, of ladder and five. Cause we discussed ladder and five enough i think in the previous one of these we did right. um well let's get start some of the more the things we've just found you've found since then so you have cardinal lambertini who would become pope benedict the 14th and he had this he wrote on heroic virtue and he's got this quote here that i have highlighted on the screen it's a little small i wonder if i can zoom in but um he says what is to be said of those to whom the revelations are directed he to whom that private revelation is proposed and announced ought to believe and obey the command or message of God. If it be proposed to him on sufficient evidence for God speaks to him, at least by means of another and therefore requires him to believe. Hence it is that he is bound to believe God who requires him to do so. Now I want to point out that the part, one of the things that church does is speak essentially on behalf of heaven, especially on these kinds of things. When you put that together with ladder and five, you, it sounds like Benedict the Fourteenth was telling people to that you are required essentially to believe these messages, and if it's directed people, at you. Yes, if it's directed at you, which by the way, Fatima, the message of Fatima, the central message of Fatima, isn't, you know, as bet as the future Benedict the Sixteenth would say about Akita being the same as uh, Fatima. It wasn't the fire from the sky stuff. The central message of Fatima is. Pray, repent, do acts of penance, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's literally the message of Fatima, except there's the action of that would come later through Sister Lucia of, you know, the five for Saturdays, the scapular, all those kinds of that part of the message. But it's not necessarily the prophecy part. It's the prophecy part is if you don't do these things, this is going to happen. And so 
when you look at Benedict XIV's statement here of you, if it's directed at you, you should believe, then it's, well, that's Fatima because it's a call to, the Fatima message is a call to conversion and a call to repentance and a call to, to do reparation for the sins against our blessed mother and things. Right, right. And that's why these distinctions are, are very important because if you, uh, flipping through the different theological manuals, it could get confusing. And I hope on this show we're able to clear some of this up, right? So you, you take it from the very top that when heaven wants us to do something, we should do it. Mm-hmm. That's the, that You could look at that as a, as, a, as a first principle, right? When God asks us to do something, we should do it. And also another first principle would be God doesn't do anything for no reason. Mm-hmm. Pretty, everyone could agree, agree upon that. Right. And uh, I, this is why, like, we are. T- it's Saturday. And it's Saturday the 18th of November. Yesterday, I accidentally said at the beginning it was October. And I got a lot of comments about my wrong date. So November 18th, Saturday. We're two weeks away from a first Saturday. That should give you plenty of time if you have been debating about starting the five first Saturdays devotion to maybe free up your schedule for December the first Saturday and, and seek out a mass that is specifically offered for the, the intentions of the first five first Saturdays and begin doing the five first Saturdays devotion. But let's continue down this document. You have then uh, Thomas Slater SJ. Yes. I know many people wince at Jesuits, but this was, this was a good Jesuit <laughs> writing in the manual of moral theology that it is not heresy, though sinful to reject what is known to have been revealed by God in private revelation. So yes, it's not heresy, okay? We're not saying that you are breaking yourself from the faith, from the unity of the church by saying, eh, I don't believe in the messages of Fatima or whatever, but it is sinful, he is saying, because the church in her authority said these are fine. Now, this is, of course, you know, being said in the context that should the church today approve some very sketchy apparitions we may have uh, more problems on our hands to discuss at that point but for now we are simply saying that you know the church has said fatima is worthy of belief akita is worthy of belief our lady of the good adventure the purification is worthy of belief and maybe we should take those messages seriously now thankfully the messages that are directed towards you and i as lay people is get holy basically and do a penance for the sins of ourselves and the sins of others Right, right. I, that's, that's, I thought these these um, distinctions would be great moving through these. And mm-hmm. then I think the quotes after will then back up everything that we're saying. But let's let's ground everything. So those two first principles, you could say, when God asks us to do something, we should do it. Mm-hmm. God or any of his representatives. The second, like we said, God always acts for a certain reason. God doesn't do anything for no reason. Right. Then Then we move on to what is revelation, like taking it from the very top. Revelation means unveiling. So now revelation could either be divine or human. Divine revelation is when God unveils something to us. Human revelation would be when maybe a a trusted friend, someone reveals something to us that we don't know. Okay, so we're speaking about divine revelation. Again, we're we're starting extremely basic here. So we're we're in the we're in the um, genus of, of divine revelation. We're operating in that world. Now then, then you look over at when is this pertaining, is this private revelation pertaining to the future? If a private revelation is pertaining to the future, that is what's known as prophecy or prophetic revelation. Okay, so when, we, when we're speaking about many aspects of Fatima, we're dealing with a prophetic private revelation, not merely private revelation. So it becomes a little bit more specific. Now, a prophecy can either be absolute or conditioned. Absolute would would mean it's going to happen no matter what. The example at Fatima is when Our Lady says, um, "In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph." That is an un, that is an unconditioned prophecy that's absolute. Mm-hmm. Now, the conditioned prophecy would be if you don't act, if X, you, Y, and Z happens. Yeah, right. All then, the all the all the sensational parts of the Fatima message in Akita and the rest. Right. Um, and traditionalist Catholic brings up a good point that I do want to mention here. Interesting thought messages directed to us, lady. We get holy so we can get the clergy to act like her clergy and religious to act like religious. And there's more to it than even that, because where do the clergy and the religious come from? They come from the laity. Ultimately, it is a lay person who enters seminary or who enters religious life. So when the, the laity become holier, you then feed into the system. The right. 
you know, Bella Dodd was able to put the kind of men in the priesthood that she was able to because there was already widespread problems. It's, again, there's no traditional Catholic who knows anything about the state of the church who believes that everything was fine until 1962 to 1965 when Vatican II happened. The All you have to do is read Pius X, Leo the Thirteenth, Pius XI, Benedict the Fifteenth, and all the and the Gregory popes all the way into the early nineteenth century to know that that is not what that the church was. Everything going on in the church now was set up at that time and made possible then. But let's continue here. We so we're now looking here at John A. McHugh and Charles J. Collins' Moral Theology book from nineteen twenty nine, and they say that her, heresy is opposed to faith. By faith here is understood divine faith especially divine and Catholic faith. Hence, an error opposed to what one held to be genuine private revelation or to the public revelation, especially when dogmatically defined by the church, is heretical. So we're contrary. Now, this is a contrast to that statement from the Jesuit priest. No. On the contrary, an error opposed to ecclesiastical faith alone, to human faith or to human science, is not of itself heretical. For example, the saints who receive special private revelation from Christ with proofs of their genuineness would have been guilty of heresy had they refused to believe. So it's actually not it's not contradictory to it because what what what's what's happening here is when when you look at the 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 totality the quote if if a private revelation is directed at you versus if it's not directed at you. So what 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 Slater was saying was that what he was making reference to if there's a private revelation that's approved that's not directed at you you would be guilty of some sin to deny it. And then, the, and then the other theologians say that, too, that it would be a sin to positively deny or deride the message if it's not directed at you. What this is speaking about, McHugh and Callan, is when the, is when the private revelation is directed at you, right? That, that, and that's an, that's an important difference because that's also going to determine what our level of, of assent is to the private revelation, whether it's directed at us or is not directed at us. So we talk about our level of ascent and we're speaking about faith. There's, I, I could go through three different types of faith. There's divine faith, Catholic faith, and divine Catholic faith, divine and Catholic faith, right? Um, there's probably more than that, but for our purposes today, that's what we need. Divine faith is the object of what is divinely revealed. If something is divinely revealed to us, we have to believe that at divine with divine faith. Now, if the church proposes something to us, we believe that when the church proposes something to us as we have to believe this, that is that is due Catholic faith. Okay, so now, that's, now they, they go to they they usually go together. Most of the time they go together. The dogmas of the church, usually the things that are proposed to us by the church, they're well, they're both given to us by God, which is why they deserve divine faith, and they're proposed by the church. So, so they're due Catholic faith. So the dogmas are due divine and Catholic faith. If something is just put to us now in, say, private revelation and it's directed at you, theologians agree that most of, most of them will say, now there, there's a little bit of controversy here, but the majority of theologians will say that divine faith is due to a prophecy that's directed at you. Now, the, the other category that I didn't say yet is human faith. Okay, human faith is when a trusted friend tells you something, you'd you'd accept their word. If you told me, "Hey, Gene, there's there's a um, you know, this be careful because this might happen," I believe you at at human faith, right? So if a prophecy is directed at you, it is due divine faith. If a prophecy is not directed at you, a private revelation is not directed at you, it's due human faith, and that's. Mm. that's key difference here because when you look at the cdf document on the message of fatima in 2000 what pope what, what the future pope benedict at the time cardinal ratzinger says is um he clarifies that he says this the authority of private revelation is essentially different from definitive public revelation true public mm -hmm. revelation ended with the death of the last apostle that's the deposit of faith the latter demands faith in it, that is God himself to, who speaks to us through human words and, and mediation of the living community of the church. Faith in God and his word is different from any other human faith, trust, or opinion. He goes on to quote Cardinal Lambertini saying, an ascent of Catholic faith is not due to revelations approved in this way. It's not even possible. 
these revelations seek rather an ascent of human faith in in keeping with the requirements of prudence and put before us as probable and credible to piety. Now that is true, but that is incomplete. And it's incomplete for a very, very important reason, because a private revelation can never is, is not the object of Catholic faith because mm-hmm. it's not proposed to us by the church. But that does not mean, and you go back to McEwen Calendar, that does not mean a private revelation is not capable of divine faith. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, that's when it's directed at you. If it's not directed at you, it's human faith, as Cardinal Ratzinger points out. But I wish he would have quoted in this document the very paragraph right above what he quoted here. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you read before, Anthony, about what are we to do when private revelation is directed at us. And mm-hmm. that's a big difference right there. And that leads to a lot of conclusion. So Cardinal Ratzinger wasn't wrong, but it was incomplete. And, and you could say fatally incomplete in regard to Fatima. Right. And the, for those who may have a hard time wrestling with it, because when it comes to Fatima, we always think of the sensational parts of Fatima. The Fatima message that is directed to you and I is infallible because it's get holy. Okay. If you need help really focusing on that, I want you to remember something here. You are statistically much more likely to enter your personal judgment through the normal course of human events than you are through whatever could be described as, say, Akita, since I am generally suspicious of the message we received from the Vatican in 2000. But if Cardinal Ratzinger, then Cardinal Ratzinger says the message of Akita is essentially the same as the third secret, then you are much more likely to stand before our Lord at your personal judgment, having gone through just the normal course of human events, than you are through the fulfillment of that message just statistically speaking. And they, that the message of Fatima of get holy is something that will help you be prepared for that moment, just as it would be to help forestall the events of that message. The personal sanctification and getting and being in a state of grace in your final moments is the most important thing you can do with your life. It really is. Strengthening your faith, achieving sanctity through opening yourself to the grace of God. All of those things are more, are the more, are far more important than the prophetic side of things. And that's why I'm not really interested today in talking about consecration 2021, yes or no, or any of this other stuff, because it's, it's immaterial compared to the central part of the Fatima message, which is revealed through the five first or the five first Saturdays devotion, which is prayer, penance, confession, Eucharist and devotions and penance, penance, penance. So let's move on to the next quote here though. From Father Tankeri, SSDD, Spiritual Life, a Treatise on Ascetical and Mystical Theology, 1930. It appears that there was a debate about this going on in the academic circles of the church. He says, quote, Many theologians are of the opinion that the persons themselves to whom such revelations are made and those for whom they are destined may believe in them with real faith, provided they have had clear proof of their authenticity. So what do you make of that? Real faith, real faith, meaning divine faith. That's the, that's the key. So if the private revelation is directed at us, it is it is worthy of divine faith. Whereas if it's not directed at us, it's due human faith, which, as we said before, you can't deny or deride without incurring some sort of sin. Mm-hmm. And people are, are reminding us that the message of Fatima involved the angel pointing to the earth, penance, penance, penance. There's, it's almost as if heaven was emphasizing that, and then the the vision of souls falling like snowflakes into eternal perdition. It's almost as if there was sort of a, the real thrust of the message was salvation or, or the eternal the eternal consequences of our way of living. Right, and and ultimately, whenever whenever um, heaven or someone from heaven appears to in in the course of human history, there it's 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 all about bringing people back to God. Right. So we know that all authentic private revelation, ultimately, it's all about our personal holiness and living a good Catholic life so that we could say for all private revelations. Otherwise, it's clearly not a true private revelation. So just like humans are body, soul composites, we're we're not just spiritual beings. Right. A lot of people nowadays in the new age, they'll say we're spiritual beings. No, no. Angels are spiritual beings. We're human beings. 
Did you know that you're, we're human beings, which means we're body and soul. So they don't go together. The splitting of that, of course, is death. So when you look at the message of Fatima, the, the, the soul, if you want to call it the soul aspect of it, the immaterial part is devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And of course, holiness to life, our holiness of life mm -hmm. and living a good Catholic life. Now that manifests itself in a certain way. That devotion to Our Lady, she wanted a, she wanted to manifest in a certain way. Oh, you could also say the soul aspect is reparations, devotion mm -hmm. and reparation, and then the concrete acts are the, now the, the concrete acts that Our Lady gave us. She gave we won't go into it. She gave certain directives to the Pope and the bishops. Mm -hmm. She gave certain directives to us. We can't control the Pope and bishops. What we do. It's the faithful that merit the grace for the Pope and bishops to do the things that they need to do. We need to focus on the message that was directed at us. And those specific acts extend beyond merely just living a holy and Catholic life. So in 1946, Sister Lucia, uh, with the approval of her bishop, promulgated uh, the, the bishop promulgated this, the Blue Army Pledge. And what that is, is, as we said before on the show, consecrate ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray the rosary every day, offer up our sufferings and daily duties, scapular, wear the brown scapular, and the Saturdays, the first Saturday devotion, mm -hmm. right? That's, so that's, because that's, that's our, that's where, that that is the message that's directed to us as right. lady. We The only thing we can do to influence the bishops, yes, is of course, remind them that they have certain duties that they have been ignoring, but beyond that, they have to act. And yeah. it's, it goes, a lot of people sometimes take some umbrage when we say, you know, we get the Pope we deserve, but it's also accepted largely. So why would it then not be that this message we're talking about, the fulfillment of all of it by both the laity and the hierarchy, a lot of that rides on the laity doing their part. It's been noted by many people that there has been a strange lack of focus on the first Saturday's devotion. And and not just the first Saturdays, but all but all of these, and that's yeah. and that's the key, and that is the key. Mm. It's the faithful who merit the grace for a certain blessing. That's the mm. way it's been throughout salvific history. When when a faithful remnant, a relatively small number of people, do what heaven asked us to do, that's when we'll get the blessing. In this case, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We have to be really clear that the message of Fatima extends beyond what our mm. obligations are. It extends beyond merely living a holy and Catholic life. You don't have to wear the brown scapular to live a holy and Catholic life. You don't need to do the first Saturdays to live a holy and Catholic you life. You don't, it's strictly speaking, you don't even need to pray the rosary to live a holy and Catholic exactly. life because count many generations of Catholics did before the before that devotion came together for, for holy. Exactly. But we do in the sense that now heaven has asked us to do it. Yes. Right. So so as as Cardinal Tisserand said. He he called it Our Lady's demands. He elevated. He did not just call it requests. He called them demands from heaven. So now it would seem that the theologians would all be in agreement here that because it's directed at us, these are required of us. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important. We know our marching orders. And that's why that Blue Army Pledge that was approved in 1946, before Vatican II, before all the confusion, the only Fatima organization back then, and it was developed by Sister Lucia herself and the Bishop of Fatima said, you could promulgate this as coming for me. And that has not changed. So we have to remember our marching orders. You remember them with the mnemonic, the acronym CROSS, C-R-O-S-S. -S. Consecrate yourself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Rosary every day. Offer up our sufferings and daily duties. Scapular, wear the brown scapular. And Saturday is the first Saturday devotion. That's what we need to do. That extends beyond our holiness. That's taking for granted we're living a holy and Catholic life. That's how the the... the uh, the manifestation of the devotion that we're supposed to have for Our Lady. That's what she wants, and that's what we need to do. Yes. So let's move on, though, to this next part of our notes here from Francis J. O'Connell, writing in 1952. A private revelation must be believed by those individuals for whom it is intended. However, no one is obliged to believe the statement of another that a private revelation has been made for him unless good assurance has been given that it is really from God. I'll interject here saying, that means the church making us definitive, the hierarchy of the church making us definitive ruling. Usually such assurance is given through evident miracles. Persons for whom the revelation is not intended are not bound to accept it as divine message. Although they would do wrong if they positively denied it or derided it when there is good evidence that it came from God. And so when we're talking about Fatima, it was a message to all the faithful. It was a message to the whole world. 
that's the that's the issue. So if we're not talking about like Our Lady of Kibeho, which was mostly directed towards the people of Rwanda at the time, although there seem to be implications for beyond that country, right? This is we're talking about the large, the, the the really the big like four or five approved Marian apparitions, because they were messages aimed at least in part to the laity beyond wherever it was the apparition occurred. Like uh, the message of Our Lady of Akita, it was not merely a message to the Japanese. In fact, the Japanese themselves barely played any role in the message other than the sister who received the message and the bishop who approved it. That the central repeating theme here is that if a, if a message from heaven is directed towards you, you should, that you are required to believe it. And this is why that people have an issue with this with Fatima, I don't understand when the message directed towards a lady is, again, basically summed up in your acronym of cross, right? It's just, which can be summed up as sanctification and penance. Right, but there's, and and, and then it takes on that ex, that external component, mm. right? We have to do that. It's because of, of course we need, the, we need the penance and the devotion. And this is how Our Lady specifically wanted it. And it, it might help if we go through some of the private revelations uh, throughout history. So if you take a look at Our uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, okay, who was that directed at? So first of all, who received that, the prophecy immediately from, from heaven, from Mary? St. Juan, uh, Juan, 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 Juan Diego. Diego yeah. Right. I can right. barely talk this morning. <laughs> right. Now, now who received, now who is that message also directed for immediately? Immediately meaning through a mediator. Juan Diego was the mediator for who was that directed at? The bishop. Yes. The bishop to to do what? To build the cathedral, to build mm. the church, right? So, what what kind of faith is required of the of of Juan Diego, Saint Juan Diego, and what kind of faith was required of the bishop? Well, it was super, it's a supernatural faith on the on the part of Saint Juan Diego. The divine faith, which means what they the, that Juan Diego and the bishop of of Guadalupe there. Uh, they had a moral obligation to act according to the theologians. Now, what about the rest of Mexico and the rest of the world? What kind of faith is due for them? That would probably be human faith, I would human guess, faith. because uh, it's correct. because it, because it's not the message wasn't directly aimed at them. Correct, correct. And now, and now, can our Mexico, where the Mexican people or any Catholics now, are we at liberty to say Guadalupe? Eh, not for me. I don't believe it happened. <laughs> Not no. really. I mean, no, no, we're no, we're not because according to Father Slater before, and also one of the other quotes we have, Van Nort, they would they both say that you can't positively deny or deride an approved apparition without being without incurring some sort of sin. Now let's look at the Sacred Heart. Now let's look at the Sacred Heart private revelation. Who was that? Who did our Lord direct that message to immediately? King Louis the. Well, no, no, it was um, Saint Mar Margaret Mary, right? Right. right. Yeah. So immediately. Our Lord spoke to Saint Margaret Mary. Now, who is that message directed at immediately? Through that would be King Louis the Fourteenth, yes. King, King Louis the Fourteenth, exactly. So, so Saint Margaret Mary and King Louis the Fourteenth. What kind of faith is is required of them? That would be that'd be the divine faith, divine. which which is where we see the failing, because <laughs> we we won't go too much detail about what happened in France as a consequence of it. But King Louis the Fourteenth and his descendants famously ignored the message until. It was too late. Right, right. So, and now what? And now both of them have a moral obligation, according to the theologians, mm -hmm. to do this. Now, what about the rest of France and the rest of the world? What kind of faith is due there? That would be that would be, of course, a human or natural human, faith. Yes, human faith, because it wasn't directed at us. But we can't just say. Well, I, I mean, you could you could actually say some of it is directed at us in terms of uh, anything to to just fulfill our normal Catholic lives, be holy. That we would have to mm. accept divine faith but as far as the prophetic element do this extra task that's we accept that at human faith and we're not at liberty to deny or deride it without incurring some sort of sin yes now, he yes he was traditional catholic to answer your question that he was yeah. to put a sacred heart on the flag of france which would then look very similar to what the one i have behind me and no yeah. i'm not french it's this yeah. is not a political statement really yes and, <laughs> and now we and now we build it all the way up to fatima okay right so and so and we know what you, the it's we're talking here from this, we can extrapolate that it is divine faith on the part of the the children, and 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 the priest locally, and the bishops, and the laity who are there, and of course us, because the message is directed at us. Exactly, and for the bishops and the popes who were given very specific instructions that are really not that relevant to what we're talking about here, because the core message 
is of course it comes down to the divine faith aspect of things. Do you right. actually have a divine faith enough to believe, especially when these miracles, these are always backed up by miracles or prophecies being fulfilled in the case of the Kings of France. Right. And we know that our lady said, I'll perform a miracle so that all will believe. And even mm -hmm. Pope John Paul II said that the message of Fatima is directed to every human person. He also said the message of Fatima imposes a commitment on the church. So, imposes a commitment it couldn't impose a commitment if it was if it wasn't something that was directed at all of us okay so that means the message of fatima requires divine faith from all of us and since it's directed at all of us we have a moral obligation to act upon it so when our when sister lucia says our lady wants us all of the faithful to live that blue army pledge that she herself made sister lucia made who got who she got from our lady Consecrate ourselves to the Immaculate Heart, Rosary daily, offer up our sufferings, daily duties, scapular, wear the brown scapular, and Saturday's first Saturday devotion. That is a requirement in us. We're obligated to do that. Now, the next question to take, bring it all the way home, what is it called if we do not fulfill a moral obligation? That's sin. That's what it is. And now yep. I'm going to quickly nice. answer this question for Robert Richards in the context of what we're talking about, the opinion of the great monarch prophecy. Well, Rome, the hierarchy has never officially ruled on that one way or the other. Some bishops probably have, which is why the uh, you see so many different mystics throughout history talking about it. I personally tend to think that that's what you're going to see on the other side of the fulfillment of the, the material chastisements that Fatima is alleged to speak about. Again, I say alleged because I, I don't trust what came out of the 2000 uh message at the very least it's incomplete at the very least but in general i do tend to think that but some don't and i think people are free to have either opinion as long as they don't cause like internal strife among people trying to work for the sanctification of of the laity in line with the Vatican message over something as like the great monarch prophecy which many of us will probably not be around to see fulfilled even if we are here to see the the chastisements that are pr professed come to pass let's take a look here at um, the next one, Monsignor Van Noort from now we're, now we're getting into the 1960s here. So we've been looking at, these are theology manuals you have found from the thirties and then papal statements from the 18th century, but now we're getting into the 1960s. Okay. So 1961, it seems indisputable that even a private revelation, at least if it is concerned with matters bearing some relationship to God as our goal can be believed by the same virtue of faith by which we believe of truth publicly revealed, granting that the divine origin of the revelation can be established with certainty. The question arises whether such revelations not only can be believed, but ought to be believed. Briefly, we think the answer is this. Such a revelation ought to be believed, both by the one who receives it and by those for whom it is destined. The rest of the faithful cannot outright deny it without some sort of sin. Here, we're seeing the language get a little more strong about this. The, it, I have seen Catholics deny that the miracle of the sun was real. I, which is weird because the local hostile media was, didn't deny what they saw. They reported it factually, which means that they had more integrity than a lot of the modern media would have. But they believed it that something happened, even calling it a miracle. Right. But that's even material to the basic message of Fatima, which would get so overlooked by over overblown by or overlooked by the because of the more sensational sides of things, including the miracles. And that is the core message of sanctification, purification, penance, and the rest of it. This is now we're seeing more modern theologians say this level rises to the level of sin. If you say no, this is not. And why? Because it is now this is not a sin against the Holy Ghost, like when we're talking about sins against the Holy Spirit, these the sin against the Holy Spirit, but this is, you're now essentially besmirching the authority of the church on its, on its role of interpreting messages from heaven. And it's, you're undermining essentially the role of God in revelation itself, which is not something to be taken lightly, I think. Right. And notice what we're also seeing here. So that with, with, with divine faith, we're hearing divine faith and human faith in these in these manuals. Notice what we're not hearing. Catholic faith. Okay. And this is where it gets confusing. If you go through some of these theological manuals, first you'll hear we're supposed to believe the if they're directed at us, we believe with divine faith. And then a paragraph later it will say um, it can never be believed with Catholic faith. We have to be very clear. Those are two different things. And, and I think that CDF um, document on the message of Fatima 
where Cardinal Ratzinger writes, it can't believe, can't be believed with Catholic faith could be confusing. Now he didn't get that wrong. That's a correct statement he made, but Catholic faith does not pertain to private revelation, but divine faith does. And we're seeing that in the theological manuals. And if Cardinal Ratzinger would have quoted one paragraph up, it, we, we would have had the information right there. So, well, that's a shame, but we need to know that. Yes. Uh, traditionalist Catholic asks if there's a connection between Leo XIII's vision of Jesus and the devil in the tabernacle to Fatima. And I, um, I've talked about this before, but yeah, I do think so. And it's also worth reminding ourselves that that vision didn't necessarily mean it begins now. Like people tend to think that this, the, um, so like, that when it starts, people have debated maybe 1960, maybe 1931, depending, you know, how familiar you are with the various messages Sister Lucia received later. But I mean, the devil's promise was essentially to destroy the church. And how would he do that with sin and vice? Because those are his favorite temptations of the flesh are typically his favorite methods. I would say that, that those are connected. Yes. And the the solution to that is, of course, to live the Fatima message. Let's go here to 1980 now. Okay, so now we're getting to, you know, many people, most people in this audience were now around at the time that this, this statement was made. If private revelation contains a message for others and has been accepted as an authentic revelation, meaning by the church, those persons also have an obligation to accept the truth of the revelation and act upon it. For all others, however, nothing is more required than a pious belief. So... Now, in the case, in the context of Fatima, what does that actually mean? Well, I mean, since it's directed to every person on the planet, that exactly. means it's not just pious belief, but you have to act on it. This is why it was good that the cardinal you mentioned called them the demands of heaven. That right. means we are being ordered to keep the five first Saturdays devotion. Right. Now, by its very, amongst the other things. Now, by its name, five first Saturdays, it's, it does sort of imply that um, and people have gone back and forth on this, whether you need to do it once or multiple times. There's nothing wrong with doing, keeping the devotion and completing it multiple times, but at least doing it once. Uh, but we are all ordered to sanctify ourselves and do acts of penance and the rest of the things that we keep coming back to. Right. So this is, again, and, and it's interesting that as you, the, the timeline of these statements is also interesting because it's it's worth noting. I mean, you have 1980, 1961. And you're, then you're in the 50s and then the 30s going back and kept keeping an eye thinking about this in the context of the state of society. The statements are getting stronger as the social situation degrades. And I don't think that's a coincidence either. And, and this and, and this book that this is from the, the manual Spiritual Theology by Father Jordan Allman. I learned about this from one of Father Ripperger's videos where he talks about this. So when, when I looked at this, I looked at this quote. I saw this, and then I also went back to 1954, Father Antonio Marin, who's one of Father Jordan Orman's Dominican brothers, and it's the same exact statement in his 1954 manual. I guess it's not plagiarism because technically the Dominicans don't own anything. They took a vow of poverty, so it's not, their, it's not theirs anyway, but it's, this, it's literally word for word, Father Antonio Marin, 1954, and the quote you just read by Father Jordan Orman in 1980. It's the same exact quote. And then, of course, you get Garrigou Lagrange, who is like, who is, for my money, one of the, one of, if not the best theologian of the 20th century, it says, Revelation signifies the manifestation of a thing that w was once hidden or at least obscure. Yeah, that's just the definition. That, that's what we said before, the definition of revelation. That's what yes. you're posting. Yeah. yeah. And then Tankery says, Divine revelation is the manifestation of, to us, of some truth by God through the supernatural illumination of our mind. So, again, those are just important for us to remember. Um, I mean, we have a few more here before we before we're done. But uh, Father George Agius wrote, "They private revelation may belong to what theologians call divine faith, as distinguished from Catholic faith. Right. Divine faith embraces whatever God has been and will be pleased to reveal in the course of the centuries. Catholic faith contains what must be believed by all. If there are motives for credibility, new revelations must be believed by divine faith by Him to whom God has made them known." This is something we've been hammering this whole time, right? So. This is the most common opinion among theologians. Such faith is not called Catholic or universal. If the church has passed judgment on them and proved of them of their veracity, they're not proposed to the faithful to be believed either by divine faith or Catholic faith. And you're, and the rest of these look like they're just yeah. hammering home this the same idea over and over again, that this distinction between divine and human faith. And, and Catholic faith. Yeah, so 
I'm going to suggest we possibly over, uh, open this up to some questions that are pertinent to this discussion. Again, we're not talking about consecrations and other prophecies and things. We're talking about essentially divine faith here, our duty to believe if the church uses its authority to say that a message from heaven that pertains to you and I is of, you know, if we have the duty to actually believe it. And I don't know if the church says, yes, it is worthy of belief that Sister Lucia and the Fatima children received messages and then Sister Lucia continued to do so later and that, that, and that the messages are essentially do acts of penance and get holy, then, you, you know, that's what we're, that there should be no controversy there. Right. Actually, Treasure's Catholic, when I said agreed in the chat, it was to what Robert Richards said. Your your message came in a microsecond before mine did, and I turned my attention back to what we were doing here. Um, but uh, in general, I think we, if there's questions now, this is the time to ask. So, uh Linda wants, to thank you for, Linda wants to thank you for joining us. Um, I He'll be back almost certainly in the future. I do want to suggest that uh, in the description box of the video, which if you're looking at the screen, let me, you, you'll, you'll see like some text and then a little gray arrow down button. If you click on that, there'll be a, his channel at will be there. You should be able to just click on that and find a link to his channel there. Yeah, these are just important distinctions, and, and it's so confusing nowadays. You have 95% of even priests, when they talk about it, they'll say you don't have to believe you don't have to believe this. That's not tradition. I mean, we yeah. want to return to tradition. We have to understand these definitions and these distinctions, or we're gonna or we're gonna make fatal mistakes. I mean, here souls are at stake with Fatima, souls are at stake and destruction of the world. So we can't we can't afford to not know this, and we can't afford not to know what our marching orders are, as we said before. Cross. Yeah, um, traditionalist Catholic. A question I have is the new direction the Marian Apparitions Academy is going to play down apparitions to not defining any is worthy of belief. My hope is they don't have anything on their docket because I just anything anything like that to work with. I do know that the American from EWTN who's there. I did a video about him and uh, I had somebody who, who could vouch for him saying that he was actually a good addition, that he may actually help keep some order there. And and here, when, whenever, when it comes to tradition, we can't just erase all the years. And that's, that's what we're, that's what we're seeing because we could go back further and further. We go to, we start with scripture. Do not despise um, prophecy. Do not extinguish the spirit. Mm. Then you have the church fathers talking about it. Then you have the doctors of the church speaking about it. Then you have, Lateran five Cardinal Lambertini speaking about it. Then you have the manualist speaking about it and it, and it keeps continuing even up mm. until now. So they just can't override tradition. That's that, that's that, that we under, we need, we under, we have to understand that pertains to prophecy and our understanding of private revelation as well. They can't just erase all of this. Yes. So I would suggest at this point, as we get ready to wrap this up, just because, you know, like to keep things pretty, and we're not here fishing for, you know, thousands of dollars in super chats or anything like that. I'm not on this channel. We're just, you know, trying to have a concise conversation here. If you haven't done any of the things for the Fatima message, getting enrolled in the scapular, typically parishes offer that usually uh, right around the feast of our lady of Mount Carmel, but you can go to a priest and receive, uh, they can enroll you at any time. If they don't have the blessing for it, I'm sure it can be for the priest's blessing can be found online somewhere. The, Get involved in that. Get get that done. It's worth noting that the Sabatine privilege is separate from the, mess, the, the Fatima requ requests for the scapular. So I always just suggest that people, when they get enrolled, they do pray the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary in addition to praying the Holy Rosary. Besides, extra prayer has never brought has never been a negative thing for anybody in their life. So there's that. But get involved. Do that. Of course, the first Saturdays, which is something I. I've dedicated myself to some degree to promoting as well as the basic outline that our guest here has given us, you know, with his acronym cross. Let's see. Do I think when the Bible says that when the last sacrifice ends, there'll be 9 12, 90 days that he's talking about the Latin mass. I, I don't usually get weighed into the validity of the new mass versus not validity stuff. I leave that to others who are more interested. I, I, don't believe that the new mass is invalid. I just have other opinions that suggest why I think it's still not wise to attend if you have a choice. But 
I don't get into the validity and validity thing because that's a that's more deeper theology. I just suggest people read. There are certain books you can read on, it, and I've talked about them before. If you have, if you want other books, email me, and I'll I'll let you know. Anyway, if there's any final thoughts from anybody here, we will wrap this up. Where can people find you on uh, on social media? Yeah, Spiritual Strength Catholic on Instagram and our Spiritual Strength Catholic page on Twitter, and then our YouTube page, Spiritual Strength Catholic. And we're always happy to, you know, any questions you have, any anything you want to hear, we're happy to help with that. But it's it's important that we, as athletes of Christ, we know the way, show the way, and go the way. It's got to be all three of them. Yes, and uh, you know, it's Saturday. I I don't know about you. Some parishes offer confession today. If you haven't gotten a confession, go to confession. Just as a good, just as good life rule, I think, for us. The um and uh, go to mass tomorrow. Of course, stay close to the sacraments and think deeply on the Fatima message. There's plenty of material out there for those who want about focusing on the Fatima message that's actually relevant to the, the life of a layperson. Especially after everything we said about it being a moral obligation since it was directed at us and we're supposed to believe it on divine faith. That that ups the ante a little bit. Like everyone should be leaving from this conversation convicted that not only do I have to do my part, but I need to get this message out to as many people mm-hmm. as possible or we're going to continue to get cracked. One summer, it's the summer of shame. Then it's traditionis custodes. And it just goes worse and worse and worse and worse from there. So right. this is this is why, you know, I like to sometimes invoke the phrase from that Art Bell used with Malachi Martin. It was the quickening. And Malachi Martin liked it when Art Bell gave it to him because it was the sense that things are speeding up in the world. And it's anybody who's been around a long time, like the older generations watching this who who think that we're a bunch of, you know, young, you know, a couple of on fire young kids talking about this, relatively speaking, they can attest to things looking like they're moving faster. They're picking up momentum. But yes, Laura reminds us in the end, her immaculate heart will triumph. And her, the triumph of the immaculate heart is the triumph of our Lord. Let no one of those whose actions sometimes against our lady that we are called to make penance for convince you that the honor we give our lady is separate from the honor we give God. Anyway, thanks for joining us today, Gene. It has been great. Please go check out his channel. There's a link in the description and I'm sure on your channel, you've got links to your other social media. Anyway, thanks for joining us folks and may God bless you all. Ave Maria.